chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Well, welcome back to Station Jacks. I'm Tom We got Matt Byrne on the board. We have Greg Pappas in the studio. We That's finally right. got the game together. We're all the traffic and everything going on here this morning. Crazy stuff in Chicago. Uh, S&P futures up 15 and a quarter. And S&P futures up 35. Just after they opened down last night. And there's some... Uh, uh, out peeps coming out of Washington, how much, how great the progress is in the debt ceiling thing. I don't know if I believe that. Maybe that's so they can trade. And today they'll say there's no progress. They can trade the other way. Um, I'm going to ask Greg in a bit what his feelings are about everybody in the like the Department of Agriculture trading agri- eggs and everybody in the Department of Energy trading energy. There's no conflict of interest there. No, none whatsoever. Um, actually, you know, Milton Friedman used to say. That just let everybody trade without any rules whatsoever. But then again, in those days, it was all open outcry, so you knew who you were trading with. I don't know if he'd say that in the electronic world. It's just faster. Well, you don't you don't just get to see who now. we. In those days, literally, it was kind of well. In the, I'm sure the big shots can see who they're trading with. You just need to request it from the. Well, my point is, if, if IBM's earnings are coming out, and somebody walked in like one one month, a minute before earnings, or one quarter. Seemed to know where they were. The next month, he'd probably get a little worse a little reception. Push back from the pit, and a third time, he might get a you know his eye dotted or something. But uh, so how we do that electronically is called a tag fifty, at least on the future side, where your your name you don't have a name, you have a number, and so your tag fifty ID is how um, how you're listed with the exchanges. So if 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 you request it, you know you can see. Who, which tag fifty did I trade with, and you can kind of see that way. But again, it's easy to mask because you could have shell companies, you can have, uh, you know, different ways of masking your identity, similar to the ways you could send different brokers to a pit to try to conceal who's really doing the orders. But you could always the rules were always uh, somewhat different on the futures side versus the. Uh, well, we like to think side. we're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I uh, securities went all over the place. There's like th- uh, 25 or 30 exchanges, all sorts of um, national bid, uh, best bid, best offer shenanigans. All BS, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we do it all in one place, and we've got the tag fifties. And well, you know. okay, but I'm, what I'm, I'm talking Sub- about is the, the definition uh, in the of, of the two terms was was always different. Uh, and I don't know which was better or which was worse, but the, uh, for instance, if on in the in futures side, let's let's say you're talking corn futures, and all of a sudden ConAgra or somebody gets gets a, a bid for a call from the president of Brazil or someplace, and says I want to buy you know whatever sixty bazillion. Uh, yeah, right now the, the trade would be China. China is canceling orders for corn in the U.S. and buying them in Brazil. Okay, what my, what my point is, is that that phone call to one of the firms, if, if they all of a sudden have to sell China all this corn, they don't have to tell anybody. They can go, they can go to the floor and start buying corn futures. Right. 
knowing that they just have this piece of information like that nobody else has. You yeah. Could, you could never, allegedly, never do that on the security side because you were, you were, if somebody would call you and say, I'm buying your company for, you know, X number of dollars over the price, you couldn't call down to the floor and buy calls. And buy a or, whole bunch of calls. But on the future side, that was always sort of okay. The idea being... The hedgers well, have the, the, the information the, anyway. The, but the pit was also, everybody kind of knew everybody to the point where if you knew Ken Agra's broker comes down there and starts buying the hell out of the place, you had to see the sense to get out of the way a little bit or at least move the price somewhat. Because everybody knew whoever it was, to a certain extent, in those days. Interesting. But on, on the security side, it was always somewhat different. Let's, uh, real quick on my... Indiana stuff and how the the collective knowledge of it's not like there can be a, a it's not a commodity like a a stock isn't a commodity so whereas other people have corn and stuff to sell the there's only one company that can really do you know if if you have Microsoft or something there's only one it's not easily replaceable or anything that's uh, well the definitions on on the on the security side. This is a little too harsh. In, insider trading is... It's is, always been everybody except the big firms could always well, get caught. There's only a few people could do it. Well, as a dealer, you can, you can on your confirms, can't you put, you know, we're trading as a dealer rather and, and do a markup uh, rather than... No, you can't do as it. an broker agent? If you, tr- if you trade with the person, you're not supposed to charge commissions. Yeah, you're because you're acting trade. as a dealer. Right, but, yeah. but how do you go back and forth? I mean... That's why the CBOE, you know, the, well, basically they can down. mark the the broker dealers can mark up. Uh, you don't charge a commission, but you charge a right <laughs> a piece. What, what I'm saying is that one of, one of the innovations of the CBOE in 1973, which just had their 50th anniversary, by the way, uh, big party. Yeah, well, it was big party by you guys. Two places. I, I didn't go to the other one. I, uh, well, I, this one was better anyway. Much much better, <laughs> much better. It's all the real people were at the party of your place. Uh, but what they did is they separated principal from agent. And it's the first time anybody had done that. It was a huge advance. Now, of course, all these advances in uh, honesty and integrity are all gone the other way. Well, when stuff gets darker, and for example, dark pool, you, yeah. know, you know something's up because when you want to start masking identities, you know they do that in the name of, well, we're providing tighter markets and we can't be... You know, so, but... Really, well, the, the it's thing that less does, light. Well, it's the thing that does it is... Less transparent. The, uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to... You know what? So what? It's Monday morning. You're going to toss a grenade? I'm going to say it's all. a lot of it's due to the stupidity of the retail client. that actually thinks they're getting something for free. Well, there is no commission charge on okay. some of it, so... So? I mean, quote free. Yeah, quote free. Now, now are they on the that? other side is that that dealer is either marking up or marking down or collecting a payment for that information. Well, that's that's the game on the security side. Yeah. You, you, can't, you can't just take the other side of the order, okay? However... I think some FX brokers you can. can uh, and, well, if you're doing like a... You could take, take the other side of a spread or something, but not, you're right, you can't charge commission. But there isn't to say that four firms can't put together a company... That takes the other side of the trade and kicks them money back. And part of that is what uh, that's like the whole business model of the bank trading desk. <laughs> where well, the, the, the you pr- take in okay, sure, and yeah. that's why your spread is so much different at the bank. And well, such. The, the banks, but the banks have you over a barrel basically because yeah. they're the ones that are providing the financing for you. Right. So if they're providing the financing, they're going to say you, you've got to trade through us. 
I mean, it's, 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 it's all, it's all. In some ways, it's dirty. I'm saying that's why the CBOE was such a breath, breath of fresh air, because they said, okay, we're, we're going to have a customer order book where the customer gets traded. When I say customer order book, let's go oh, back to the old days. Say, an option was uh, two and an eighth a quarter, two and an eighth, two and a quarter, two and an eighth bid, two and a quarter offered. If I had an order, a broker to sell it at two and three eighths, I might not want to hang on to that order. I can put it in the customer order book. So it goes in the book, and when it gets to two and three eighths, the person who gets traded with first is the customer who's in the book at three eighths. Yeah. So you have, you had priority. Was well, everything was an open outcry? Everything was an. And auction. that was really the the mm. the good part because no, it was a separation. The biggest change was the separation of principal and agent, and the idea that the customer had priority over the book and not the specialist. Those were actually bigger yeah. than the open outcry part. Because you you could have defined. The electronic marketplace, like the CBOE, it would have been way fairer than it is now. Well, that's I think what the CME has has tried. Yeah, sort I mean, of. There's, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, more equal than say the, the security well, the, side. Well, the, the huge difference between the two exchanges in terms of, uh, uh, shall we say, uh, uh, even-handedness was the security side, the CBOE always put out the quotes. The Board of Trade never put out the quotes. Yeah. That's, so in other words, if, 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 you, if you're looking at your screen or your broker in those days, most people didn't have the screen, but your broker, if you gave me an order, you know, well, I wasn't really upstairs 25 years ago, but uh, if I was, if you sent an order up to PTI, and they would say you want to buy a 10 of these options, okay, and the, the market's two and an eighth, two and a quarter, and you sent down there, you might get filled at two and three sixteenths if you just happen to meet another customer in the middle. So you might get bettered, um, but you're for sure going to get it at two and a quarter. Right. And, and you knew that. Right. Okay, so if the market went to, by, by the time the order made down there, like on the way, as the runner was going out there, if the market went two and three sixteenths, two and five sixteenths, and you got, and you paid five, at least at least you recognized the turn. I use the term, you could police your own order. Yeah. Where the Board of Trade was way sleazier <laughs> and, and they thought the quotes were their business so the only person who could get a quote PTI could always get a quote because we could call down there we're a futures firm so we call down there and somebody would say two and an eighth a quarter okay buy me ten you paid three eighths okay what's the market two and an eighth a quarter and you sit there and go wait a minute <laughs> wait a second but but, on that, but you can get because the quotes were never published there was, there was no such thing as a time in sales but on the, on the CBOE all, you could go look at time in sales and you'd say the market was two and eighth a quarter. How the hell did you pay three eighths? It'll be right there. Right. Would say something traded two and three eighths when it was offered at a quarter. Yeah. So you could, you could police the market very easily. So the the innovations that the CBOE made were totally taken away when you when when the this a new electronic pavement for order flow stuff. Hey, but let's not worry about that so much. Uh, what's going on with these uh, commodities? I have uh, all of a sudden you know when I say I PTI we have a lot of. Uh, Actually, big big people calling us, Craig, out of the blue. Uh, people want to. Well, stuff's moving. Yeah, you people want to hedge copper. They want to hedge. Uh, well, copper's one, uh, gold's another, and now somebody wants to do uh, diesel, which is essentially home de- heating oil, right? Yeah, when when stuff gets really uh, volatile, and when you're looking at the beginning of the season here, at least for crops with, with us, that's that's really the best time to start taking a look at what your expectations are for the rest of the season 
meaning you look at the volatility and you say, okay, well, can I stomach a 20% drop or can I stomach a, a 13% drop? And if not, what do you need to do in order to kind of protect your, your position or your portfolio or lock in some, some profit if you can, sell calls or buy some puts and really get prepared for what's going on. So I wouldn't be surprised if if more of the, uh, say, corn or bean people were, were looking at downside puts or maybe the oil people those who were short. Seem, those guys don't seem to go through to a, a broker as much. They, the the, the uh, grain elevator people seem to be doing most of the hedging now, at least from we see. We used to have a lot more individual farmers that hedge stuff. Yeah. Now it so, seems like they're doing it at the local level. Yeah, or maybe just on interactive brokers or, you know, whatever. You know, RBC, they're just sitting at home. But uh, what they're looking at is they go straight to, at least the, the hedgers would go straight to their uh, volatility or the the lows and say, you know, what's really my risk here? Uh, in an, on an equity side, it would probably look at like, hey, the S&P is trading 4,100 or 4,150 or what, what's it this morning? S&P is uh, 4,152, pretty good. So, yeah, say it was the beginning of the year and you're looking at it and you say, oh, well, the VIX is trading 23. Well, can I stomach a... 23% drop this year? Where am I going to add? Where am I going to subtract? Where are my buying puts? Where am I selling calls? Stuff like that. So when stuff gets volatile and you have risk, meaning you you have a position in the underlying, say you have a mine or you have uh, oil coming out of the ground. You, or you have a farm. Or you have a farm that's going to have you know, some combination of beans and corn. You got to start looking at those things pretty early. I mean, if you don't, you know the the market swings. That's, that's we're up being we're up being an expert, X an expert. I'm going to say when my when my brother started the corn pit, this had to be oh hell, this was probably in the late '80s. Uh, corn was essentially two fifty a bushel. If it got over that, you sold. If it got below that, you bought it. Right and now it's five ninety. What, what I'm going to say it cost uh, probably two ten in seed and uh, rent and everything else and in a good year the farmer made 50 cent, 40 cents 50 cents now at the 590 yeah so you're saying what like 20 percent or so well not, what I'm, i guess what i'm getting to in a clumsy way is now that it's 590 i'm going to say that the cost to get it in the ground are last year's inflation costs probably higher than he's ever paid except for maybe last year so he has real risk if that price goes down to 450 oh yeah and one interesting thing that the CBO came uh, came out with the other day is they're bumping their estimates up, not not ten percent. I think it was their estimates for the payments for the farm bill were going to be twenty percent more. So you know, no inflation here. No, I mean, I, but I think the uh, the inflation in the seeds and in the fertilizer and stuff is is sort of here to stay. Whether the five ninety price stays. I'd be very concerned about that if I was a farmer. Right, right. And I'd, the, and I'd be hedging a lot, or at least buying puts. Yeah, the the or or just hammering calls all the way down. Um, Which hard to do though, because if it explodes up, you could actually lose money in your year. You don't want to do that either. Well, they they'll either you know sell a vertical or well, you have to some, do that. if you're long the underlying too, meaning you have the stock or you have the the corn or yeah, you have no, the beans. You know, that nobody gets, wants to sell the. Six thousand. I mean, nobody wants to sell the six fifty calls if the stack go to ten, and your best year ever, you just well, kind of truncated. 
Matter of fact, hey, after break, let's talk about that. Is the why the gold miners are not up as high as the gold? SP futures up 15, as if he's up 37. Be right back, Stacks and Jackson. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now. Well, we'll play stocks and jocks. I'm Tom. I'm on the board. We got Greg Pappas in the studio. We should have Jan Flanning with us as well. SP futures up fourteen fifteen. Nasdaq futures up thirty four. So we're trying to be. Bullish here. Dow futures up 126, especially after a down opening last night, which was interesting. We came flying right back. Uh, there's been some. Um, all I heard this morning on the way in was how how everybody's working so hard diligently on this uh, tax deal. We'll see how that works. A DAX up 34.2 percent. FTSE up 36.5. CAC around up 32.4. So kind of bullish across the board, moderately over there. The Nikkei up 238.8 percent. We have the Hang Seng. Up 343, 1.75. It's still under 20,000 as they hit a rough week last week. 19,971, but still up and down, up and down. The uh, Shanghai up 38, 1.1%. They were down Friday as well. Um, Nikkei's been fairly strong, though, considering everybody else hasn't been. 10 year up 2 basis points, 3.49. The Bund up 3 basis points, 2.29. Japan up 3 basis points, 0.42. Uh, Friday, the U.S. Uh, the Dow ended up down eight, S and P down six, Nasdaq down forty-three. So Dow was a, you know, kind of a slow day, but it was a bad week, um, especially in the Dow. Oil up forty-four cents, seventy forty-eight, trying to get back over seven. Well, it is over seventy. 
been up 42 cents, 74.59. Natural gas up three cents, 230. It's been inching up from we got down to like what 190, right? 192, somewhere like that. Our Bob uh, unchanged 243. We've got gold, which had a uh, actually it's unchanged. We had a bad week last week. 2019 is the whole number. Silver up two cents, which had a really bad week. 24.17. Copper up three cents, 376. We got Bitcoin, which had the worst week we've had in a long time. It's up 516 today, though 27,401. And the U.S. dollar, which is causing a lot of this, is actually down a little bit today. The euro is up to 1087, but it was over 110 at the start of last week. So that's a, it's a big move. And the pound is a 1.25, was almost 1.27 starting last week. So they're up a little. The dollar is down a little today, but it was strong all last week. That's what caused the gold to go down and all the other stuff. Uh, Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports, a lot of traffic, a lot of oh, crummy definitely. traffic. Oh, it's it's kind of rough out there this morning. I want to say good morning, though. Uh, it's currently six thirty-five on May fifteenth, twenty twenty-three. This morning, Chicago fifty-one degrees. Currently, we're hitting a high of sixty-three this afternoon. Mostly sunny skies expected today. Tomorrow, more sun and a high of seventy-eight. If you can believe it, wow. In Phoenix, Arizona, clear skies today, 79 degrees currently, a high of 100 later on for them, uh, and sunrise at 528, still in the dark down there. The MLB yesterday, Cubs lost to Twins, 16-3, White Sox lost to Astros, a narrow 4-3, and Diamondbacks won against Giants, 2-1. Last night in the NBA East Semifinals, Celtics beat 76ers, 112-88. So for now, Chief, back to you. So I was looking forward to that game. It's not being a laugher, Greg. Yeah, <laughs> you were looking forward to it. Well, I thought it would be real. Clear. All the other games have been pretty close, and that one, and that one was not. Yeah, oops. Yeah, oops is right. Do we have Mr. Flanagan. We do indeed. Good morning, morning Jen. How are you? Good morning, Jen. Good. How about you? Okay, I spent a weekend down in uh, acting Ogden Dunes, which was nice. Got away a little bit. Uh, weather was horrendous, but uh, but I got to observe. As you know, I, I like to observe. The more I do the show, the more I observe. And uh, so driving down there Friday night, I leave here. Uh, I'll just leave at 3.30. I'll be okay. Well, the Ryan is packed down to the Skyway. So I think, all right, I'll take the Skyway. Skyway is now, how, how much do you think, John? Uh, 7.50? 6.80. You're, you're close. 6.80, huh? Oh, no. So I'm, the minute I pay my 6.80, traffic goes down to one lane. It takes forever to do that. This is on, this is on the bridge, right? Oops. Yeah, oops. So we do that, oh. and... Uh, didn't Google tell you? Didn't weren't you watching the? Oh no! Well, but but the Ryan was messed up too. So I mean, it doesn't. That would have been the other way. So I, I then it, then it, right then you pay your your tab in Indiana, which is another. I don't even look because uh, you just use your easy thing. It's easy because they they grab money out. You don't even know what you're paying. <laughs> so you go another two miles and it's open, and then that goes to one lane. So finally, I go to hell with this because I did look at my Google. It said that the part where I ninety comes together with ninety four was a goat bleep, so I said, "Okay, I'll get off at twelve and 20. Right? So you don't know, I don't know if you've ever done that, Jan, but it or, or Greg, we, it used to be you got on the twelve and twenty were the same street, and right after you started going east, they split off into twelve and twenty. So I'm driving, I'm going, "Wait a minute, am I am I getting that scene out? Why am I on twenty? I always go on twelve. Where was the split?" Evidently, they ixnade the split, at least for now. Is it like a bike path or something? What happened? I just, well, I mean, I, evidently, so then I go, well, I know the McDonald's. I just turn left at McDonald's. I go down to 12. I want to be on 12, right? Being on the Dune Highway. I go down, and it turns out 12 is totally destroyed there. Whoa. Between, they're, they're messing with the railroad, the uh, the uh, South Shore. The bridge is out, and I'm going, well, this is a, 
another year or two project. So I turn around again. They must have had, good thing it was light out. Or you could have really gotten yourself nailed because they must have had some kind of microburst down there. I mean, it was raining, but not that hard. All of a sudden, the standing water in a couple spots is out on like, taking like one out one of the right lane on 20, like mm. eight inches deep. Good <laughs> thing you got a big truck. Well, I mean, plus I could see it. You know, another hour yeah. later, it was going to be dark. <laughs> you know, so so I managed Going to get into that. Oh yeah, so I, I see that the road. The, well, not only here's this fiasco. It takes me like an hour and a half to get down there. The railroad, the railroad is out. I, I mean, I, I've heard stories of them doing something to the uh, South Shore. It's been out like two years, and there's another two years to go. So if the station in Ogden Dunes is kaput. Across the way, they've got a big new parking lot, and a bus shows up every morning to take you to the Gary Station. You hop on the bus. Yeah, you get on a bus, and the bus takes you to Gary. <laughs> you get up, then you got to go upstairs to Gary. You get out of train there. I'm like, four years. That's kind of a long time. But but my question to you, Jan, is the collective knowledge or that lack of it? This is probably before you were worrying about stuff like this, Greg, or certainly Matt. I'm going to say 15 years ago, Jan, maybe 20. They decided to redo the Green Line. Which is the used to be the Inglewood Jackson Park line. It's now the Green Line. Everything's out of color, right? <laughs> uh, well, the, the story. I mean, the way this, in one man's opinion, the way this ought to be done. I actually read how many how many footings there are in the entire system of elevated system in Chicago, and a footing essentially lasts a century. So if you decide divide Uh-oh. one by the other, <laughs> you're, you should replace, you know, whatever six footings a week or a month or whatever the hell it comes down to. I did the math once. It should be a continual project. Or 100 years from now, you're still going to use the damn thing. Go back to the other end and you start all over again. Well, of course, they let the green line totally degrade to where they have to totally redo the whole thing. So what did they shut it down for, John? Like three, four years? Yeah. And uh, so then the ridership, you know, it's the same thing. The buses, of course, the neighborhoods all changed. Uh, a lot of people said, "Well, I got to get downtown. I'm not. I'm not taking a bus from Inglewood for God's sake, uh, or Jackson Park." So people moved for that reason and other reasons, and, it, and then all of a sudden the thing is up and running again. Well, not all of a sudden, three or four years later. And the, the, what did, did Jan did the ridership ever come back? I, I mean, it, it oh, took, and far from it, Tom. And the, the you know they demolished the last mile of it on the Jackson Park end of it. Because well, that was they, long before. That was long before they did that. That was years before. Well, I mean, they, yeah. but the plan was to rebuild that. They, oh, yeah. they, the, the bridge that went over the Illinois Central tracks that had been there since the you know 1892 or 1893 had deteriorated so badly they couldn't run trains over it. So they shut the system down, demolished the tracks, you know, the above ground tracks above 63rd Street, um, all the way from Stony Island to Cottage Grove. So the last mile was you know gone. Then they got their you know a plan to rebuild it. And the people who had built houses on 63rd Street in the meantime, because it used to look like, you know, the chase scene in the French Connection. Oh, yeah. Actually, the French Connection made it, made it look pretty posh compared to the stretch of 63rd Street. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. On there. But the neighbors squawked about not, they didn't want to be on another train track running in front of their houses that had just built. And all of a sudden, now it's a residential area. So the thing now ends at 63rd and Cottage Grove after much wrangling back and forth. And I, I wait downtown sometimes for trains on the brown line and I watch the green line trains come in and go out at a couple stops downtown there's never anybody on it they're no. usually four car trains even in rush hour it's ridiculous so, it should shut the whole thing down 
Well, I mean, it's it got to be a, a money waster, and, and they're rebuilding stations on it. People that have, you know, there's well, there's no way, there's way, activity. there's way less stations. There used to be, on the part that went to Inglewood, because I used to take that all the time when I was a kid. They, they got rid of the Wentworth stop. They get rid of the 59th Street stop. There, there's only like three stops. There used to be stops all along where people live. Oh, there was Racine. There was um, Harvard. You know, all yeah. Of was, there was, there was Harvard, Wentworth, that, and Racine. You know, Right, go on. Rossini. Well, used to know, that, that, line. Into the 60s. That was, that was heavily traveled. Right? Oh, God, yeah. Then you hopped on the 63rd Street bus to go further, and the 63rd Street had so many buses on it, Greg. At night, if you walked out there and you looked either direction, you'd see like five buses. It was like State Street. Right. And, anyway, so, but the idea is at the end of that, somebody, because then they re- remodeled, they redid one other stretch. Was it the Ravenswood or something? And they said, never again are we going to shut a line down because so many things change. Well, now the South Shore is shut down for like four years. Now, what what do they expect to come flying back there? I mean, maybe with, if they get people to get the new line going to Crown Point, they're actually adding a, a leg to the thing. But wait, the CTA goes to Crown Point. No, the South Shore no, is going to oh, okay. go to Crown Point. But Jan. You know, you know. Well, I don't know if you ever saw that the, the, the South Shore used to go right down a street in Michigan City, right, right in the middle of the street. So they have to slow down and uh, go down there, not there very fast. It's a one-track deal, right? Well, John, that is now two tracks, like if like if it's a super highway track, with the concrete walls on each side. The poor people live on either side. I don't think they can get their car down the block. So, but now, but they're not going to run a train down it for two more years. Guess who's the construction guy? Walsh. Imagine that. <laughs> Their power extends beyond Chicago. Yeah, I, I, but I'm sitting there going, "What? Why? Why would anybody? If I'm doing something else for four years, am I, am I really going to say the first day? Oh God, thank, thank you, God, I get my belt back on the train. It's like a long time to not have something work. Just saying. It's just as idiotic as the idea of extending the red line in Chicago to 130th Street. You know, every time I, I think about what needs to be done on the system. And I think about that crazy plan. You know, you really shouldn't be trusting these people to make these, you know, far-reaching decisions on how to spend valuable transit money, because none of it seems to be intended to grow the system in in any kind of a you know, not considering financial growth at all. This doesn't involve any more ridership or anything else. It just means expenditure to build useless extensions of the system that are never going to pay for themselves. Um, we got lots of people who seem to be able to make those plans, though. Well, the question, I mean, it's, it's really about a, a five-part question. And, but it goes to any, any level of government, any level of business. It would, your, your, your decisions are always going to be the same. I mean, that's why when you, when you look at, uh, you know, uh, right now, you see some of the... I mean, I was talking to my nephew yesterday. We had a dinner at my brother's for Mother's Day. And I uh, hope everybody had a nice Mother's Day. I know the weather sure as hell didn't cooperate. Um, so, but the idea is okay. The, these decisions that people are making. Now, my nephew works for a smaller. Every, I mean, I talk about this every Monday, but works for a smaller metalworking facility that essentially makes parts for other people. Uh, they'll, you know, uh, mostly custom, custom kind of thing. If you have a, you know, if you're Mars or you're Tootsie Roll or someplace, and you put a machine together and it has a, a specialized conveyor from. 1975, and all of a sudden, you either want another one because you want to increase your production, or you, the one you got, is looking long in a tooth. 
you'll bring the plants to you know my nephew's place and they'll put the stuff together for it. They'll, they'll make you one or two or three and uh it's they're not really designed for you to have you know we'll, we'll do 100 conveyors a week i mean i suppose you know if there was a war they could up to do that but that would take a huge investment so that but there's a lot of these places kind of around in the same decision tree that's why when when you elect people and i'm not going to say that this guy's any worse than mayor daly and when you elect people that don't understand the tree the difference is it's other people's money that they're pissing away basically so now for my the guy who runs my nephew's place it's just like the mayor or somebody else of course when you, when you start doing that the, the the mayor the difference is he doesn't really give a crap because if he can if he can convince washington that oh by the way the south shore needs two tracks and it's you know four billion dollars to get the money from washington and you can pass that contract off to your buddies you really don't care if anybody ever steps on the train, do you? Right. I mean, it's, right. It's, it's a whole different program. But now my nephew's the guy who owns the place. Now, if, if he thinks, now he's got to sit there and go, all right, it looks like businesses, they're not as crazy as they were, but they're still pretty busy. And they could have more business kind of if they wanted it. They're not really, they're just waiting for the phone to ring. So if they actually hired a salesman around and found some, they maybe could do better, maybe, maybe not. Probably do better. Now the question is, all right, is there more business out there? And if I go get a higher sales guy, that's going to cost me. Now, if I go out and get 30 40% more business, can I, can I do it anyway? Okay, well, the answer is probably not. Without some, a new machine, a couple new people, maybe three new machines, maybe five new people, maybe a new building. I, mean, I don't think they're quite at that thing yet. But now all of a sudden, you sit there, is this business sustainable? So if my business goes up 30%, do I get to pay for all the crap I just bought for my three new people I just hired? And oh, by the way, the salesman driving around, you know, knocking on doors, and maybe even flying around knocking on doors. Uh, these are these are things regular people do all the time. But as government gets more and more involved, well, China's in, China's out. This becomes very, very difficult decisions, even for people. You know, I'll say I'll use the term like us. All we do is watch this. You know the ebb and flow of the international winds it doesn't make us experts, but at least we watch it. But now, if you're just a guy in his, in his factory, how the hell do you make that? Does that guy make that call? The money's not free, like it is for the city. It's not somebody else's money. Have you money. seen how much money the city is spending on the migrant uh, stuff? Well, I mean, so far, they're, they're, they're well, they're going to inflate the hell out of that to tell you that to get you to stop it from happening. I mean, even even then. The stuff that they were saying, what twenty million a month? But there's Such only bullshit. there's only uh, <laughs> there's only like eight thousand people so far. So what? Well, some think, well, some think, people are thinking it costs well, okay, think, uh, seven thousand dollars per person per month. Yeah, it's, well, that, well, that's the thing. They're, you, you, they, they're hopeful that nobody does the math. Some people on Twitter are saying eight thousand. Um, they're saying like for each of those people, they're spending more than 225 not, bucks a day. It would not surprise me that, that somebody's <laughs> spending it somewhere, but, but it's going through... nice hotels or whatever. No, it's, but it's going to go through community organizers. It's going to go through... But this is not new. Uh, 7000 per he, month, per he's, person. He's older than me, so I know how long he's been around. Uh, this Mr. <laughs> Flanagan guy. When, when Lyndon Johnson, we were young. We, weren't, you know, we certainly weren't in college. Lyndon Johnson did the Great War on Poverty... There was there was somebody who said uh, if you just divided the amount of money spent by the amount of poor people and sent them a check, you wouldn't have had any poor people Oops. by definition. 
Now, of course, maybe they pissed it away. Maybe they wouldn't have done. Who the hell knows? I'm not saying that that would have been. At the same time, uh, uh, conservative Mr. Flanagan's all-time hero, Tricky Dick, <laughs> came out with a actually a very, I won't say the right plan, but very well thought out. And and Dick Nixon was not a dumb man. He had all kinds of issues because. He thought everybody would get him because he should have got into Harvard. His parents wouldn't let him go to Harvard. He went to, what, some Quaker school in California or someplace? Went to your college. Uh, yeah, he, he, had, he had issues. But but I would, I would I would pretty much stack him up knowledge-wise against any president in our lifetime. But I think he, he blows the drawers away even in our last four when it comes to intelligence, wouldn't you? Clinton maybe was pretty bright. School learning, yeah. School, but I mean, in terms of the law, I mean, didn't he argue a case in the Supreme Court and won against some huge law firm? Well, he's no dummy. But he came out with something called the negative income tax, which essentially said we're going to get rid of all these programs, all these people whose fingers are in the pie between the city writing the check and the person who comes in, the uh, guy coming across the border, uh, whatever you want to call him. The, uh, so... The, the idea was you send in your income tax form, and if you made a thousand bucks shoveling snow in the wintertime for somebody, we're going to send you a check for five. The next year, if you made two thousand, we're going to send you a check for like 4,700. So everything you did was incremental. The idea was we're getting rid of all this other crap, and we're just going to send you the check. And hmm. of course, the, both the people who want to quote help everybody. Now, obviously, we drugs wasn't nowhere near as big a problem back then. I mean, now you say, wait a minute, just going to write the drugs. But then, I'm not so sure you would actually say that, John, not, not to the same extent as you would now. But it, you looked at it, and intellectually, it made one hell of a lot of sense because we just went through a Johnson program. To, what, what percentage of the money do you think actually got to the poor people, John? 10, 20, 30, maybe 40? On a good day, yeah. On a good day. So the same thing is happening now with these guys. I mean, the mayor was talking about yesterday, and he's talking about the uh, the people coming up here from Texas or wherever they're from. And he says, "Well, you know, we gotta we gotta make sure we go through the community organizers, the religion, and the, we're not we're not talking about the Catholic Church. That you know, for all their you can say what you want about they got money in Rome. Churches in here in the South Side they never had any money because unless the parishioners came up with it. Everything was you didn't get any money from the cardinal that I remember. I'm not saying that you know." All the churches are bad, the Catholics are not. But on the money side of it, there never was any there, was there, Jen? I mean, no. And uh, so now, but now we got we got for all these programs, we got to go through the community organizer. So, what would it what would it take the three of us if we found some, you know, rundown school? Hopefully, we'd have shower facilities and a kitchen facilities that we could we could resurrect. And we were to take how much asbestos? Yeah, yeah how many, well, well, yeah, that too. How many? Uh, if we were to take, you know. 300 people, give every family a classroom, or put two families in there if, if they know each 7, other. 7,000 a person, Chief. 7,000. I, mean, <laughs> That's I, what I, I guarantee supposedly. you it would cost us nothing like that. Nothing like that. Well, yeah. <laughs> but now, if I have to pay Reverend somebody or over to come by so for him to pass out this and somebody else that, we could bump it up there. I mean, it, but our names would be on a lot of those checks, right? Right. I mean, we could get it to 100,000 a day if we wanted to. <laughs> Well, it, you know, the idea, Tom, is that if they can sell this from an emotional standpoint, we got all these poor people coming in, 
and we just can't handle them all. We need, you know, to start adding zeros to the amount of money you want from the federal government or the state or from the governor of Texas or whatever else. It, it, it's all about diverting that money eventually to something else. It has nothing to do with the problem at hand. Okay. And even if, if it were, it would be like what they're doing with the homeless situation in California, where it's, you know, they're spending billions Time to on buy the homeless tent in stocks. L.A., and yeah. the problem is just exploding. So to me, it's like, well, all the money that's being you know, funneled off to fund programs for the homeless are simply facilitating and enabling the homeless, which is hardly what people want, I think. But if you're part of the program, where the what money's you going. I mean, do you think the people who have all the... the uh, you know, contracts to do business at the jail want want there to be no criminals. Of course not. They're, they're, they only make money if there's a problem. You know? But I mean, but somehow is, we got to break a, out of that. But how do you break out of that? I mean, we're doing it all over again with these guys. You know, with the people. I mean, you could take. Uh, plus, I mean, I, some people probably have relatives here, and I, I you know, I, I would say we could plunk those people in the school. Well, it's a horrible thing to say about people, but with help from the food depository with. Help from uh, some charities just for stuff. We could probably get a whole bunch of uh, if we if we're gonna get everybody classes and how to uh, you know paint houses or whatever. I bet we get somebody to donate us painters' pants. I bet we can we we if we worked at it, it would be nowhere near eight thousand bucks a person. Nowhere near. I think the army to train a full recruit costs somewhere around fifty thousand. Probably about six weeks, right? It's cheaper than the public schools, Bert. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, somewhere around fifty thousand. If if they if to train it, well, a school uh, gets. Um, uh, I knew this. How before many of COVID. those do they do every year? Well, I don't. Before COVID, the number number chasing a student to a, a Chicago high school was about sixteen eight. I'm going to say that was four or five years ago because I haven't seen my source since after since before COVID. So it has to have gone up every year. So let's say it's eighteen grand for what. That's how much if if a student shows up at Kelly High School. That's how much that student, that school gets per student. You know, it's separate from the the uh, physical plant budget. The numbers that I saw for for uh, CPS total, the budget per student was like thirty thousand. Well, that's because yep. you're adding you're adding the plant equipment in there. I'm not. I'm saying just. In other words, Kelly High School is going to be maintained. Okay, that's that's budget A. And then they then they get paid. Um, Why wouldn't you include the plant well, equipment? Because 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 of that because that's that's used. I'll use the term sunk cost. It's not variable. So the amount of students show up, you get eighteen grand. So if thirty five students show up more than you thought, you get an extra teacher, right? Which has nothing to do with the building. You get an extra teacher, but uh, shouldn't it pay for itself? Well, what I'm saying is that that's why the charter schools. They get the eighteen grand, yeah. But somebody else has to front the building and the, the physical plant, right? So, but they, but they're still going to get the money. Now, the Catholic schools somehow or another don't get that. That's always been my bitch all along. I mean, in Canada, the amount for education—if the place is accredited and doing a good job—your amount from the state follows you wherever you go. Milwaukee does that too, don't yeah, they? No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think they do. They might. You can give them something for books, and you can give them something for. There's 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 programs that you can you can do an after school program. I don't think you can you can give money to a, to a religious school, can you, Jan, for education? No, I'll tell you. you know, the, and the downside of that too, Tom, had that been the case, where they they could accept um, money as the public schools get, 
Um, all the Catholic schools would have been locked down the last couple of years too, which they weren't. So I mean, they're it, it, with all that money comes strings attached, of course. So well, but I'm saying you well, but if but the the amount that they get per student in a in a public school. I'm going to say is way more than a Catholic school spends per student. Oh my God, exponentially! And plus, you know, the, the, as the enrollment's been declining, it isn't like the budget goes down; the budget goes up. So, so there's no way this is working in any kind of a, a market, you know, framework. Um, you're paying more and more money to educate fewer and fewer children, and of course, it doesn't translate to better education. No. We know enough from test scores, so it's, it's a total boondoggle. Greg, when I went to grammar school, we had, a, of course, it was kind of an Irish Catholic neighborhood, so there was a lot of, uh, shall we say, procreating going on, <laughs> a lot of kids. Uh, so we had four four classes per grade. And the, the, the parish was only a square mile, and, and part of it was a golf course, you know, so, uh, so we had 160 kids, plus or minus, per class. Uh, per grade, and then we had two kindergartens. So we had so 32 classes plus two kindergartens, so 34 teachers. There were no sub-teachers, nothing like that. You had 34 teachers. You had a principal and an assistant. You had two janitors, and you had a music teacher. So you had essentially five, uh, yeah, five indirect people for 34 direct people, which is, now if you looked at the University of California, I think they're ten to one the other way. <laughs> there's like there's like ten thousand professors and hundred thousand awesome. people that work there. All so, the but I mean, teach you, liberal but you look nonsense. at the, I mean, I, I went to work for the when I was a janitor for the public schools, and I'm like, who are all these people? Well, they're, they're teachers' aides, or this or that, and there's like now part of that's a little unfair because in the public schools, they always did lunches, and St. John Fisher never did. So you had people working in the, in the cafeteria, but they're all overhead. You had uh, um, in, in the grammar schools, you had lunches. I don't think they had coaches and stuff at the grammar schools. Maybe they do now, but they didn't then. But you had teachers' age. You had you had sick days where people, you know, I get this many sick days, and they'd get a substitute teacher in for the week. Catholic school, if, if the guy, if the teacher was dying, she'd stay home, and the principal would come teach class. You know, so your trade-off, your teacher didn't show up, because you got the principal in front of you, which is, which is worse. I'm not saying it should be that lean, Jan, but it's it's a lot different than than. We're not even talking to... I mean, in the public schools, where do they get here? I bet there's... You know, I bet we could look this up, Jan. Or uh, maybe... uh, Matt Burns pretty good at this. I bet uh, there's there's at least two employees in the public schools for every teacher. I would say it's three three to five. You think it's three three to five? Yeah. Um, just, it's just when you when you look at what what's you know CPS, just the machinery of CPS, and the, and the people who really don't you know ever appear in a classroom. And this you know something like a counselor or a librarian. I mean, they do meet students, but they don't teach. No, you know, they, they see crisis cases and stuff like that, or they they are paper paper pushers in some capacity. I don't want to down downgrade librarians, but um, there's a lot of people who who never see a student ever. Oh, right uh, and are probably interfering more with that student's education. Hence, hence the term system. indirect. S and P futures up fifteen. Nasdaq futures up thirty four. Be right back. Stacks and Jackson. Job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. 
That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI Pro Direct can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every Every day, we love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI Pro Direct: cheap prices, along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends that's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jackson. I'm Tom Allen, Greg Pappas in the studio, John Flanagan and, the, and Matt Byrne on the board doing that. All right, Matt, you put it on there. Uh, you, ever, you ever read the lyrics to that? Oh, of course. It's a great song. But it's to sing it, you can't be high. I mean, oh, uh, it's no. a, it's, it, you got to really mem- do some memorization <laughs> on that one. And it's also a pretty deep song. I mean, he's talking about, I mean, what I kind of, I mean, you know, it's art and whatever, and what do you think it is? He's talking about, you know, poverty in America to some degree. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. It's, it's very beautiful. You ever, have you ever taken the city of New Orleans? I've taken uh, the train there? Yeah. No, I don't think I have. I've taken the train to San Francisco, though. So well, I if guess you want to see America, oh, yeah. you take the city of New Orleans. What was the express train called that used to go to New Orleans, the first class train? Mm, sounds like a John question. Uh, <laughs> Panama Limited? The Panama Limited. Okay. We took I that. took the city of New Orleans twice, Tom. So I, well, I took the Panama Limited once, and the city of New Orleans uh, once. You go right through the swamps, 
Oof. You see people with like the, the foundation is like six or eight saplings driven into the swamp. Then you hang some cross members and build the deck, and that's your house. Wow. Right. With nothing but, but you and the train tracks are are about the same. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if you ever did the railman and you're on an old, you even get in there. Oh my gosh! Yeah. It's a uh, but you take it's a spectacular, there. beautiful, beautiful trip, really. But you go right down the. the the crummiest parts of Memphis and Jackson, Mississippi. I mean, the train goes right, right. Yazoo City. Yeah. Oh yeah. But the, what's interesting is, you know, if you go from here to New Orleans, obviously it's a long ride. But the people in the middle, it's like they know everybody. I mean, if you're commuting from Jackson to Memphis, you're you're going to take that. Or if you if you're if you're going from Jackson to New Orleans, those people get on the train, and it's almost I won't say it's local. It's three four hours, but. You go to New Orleans, you hop on the train, and off you go. It's like, uh, and not everybody goes the whole way. Yeah. Well, when we were, when we were going down there recently, we were kind of debating if we wanted to take the train because I prefer actually, you know, trains to planes. They're a little bit more relaxing. But uh, the train ride was about six hours. Well, it's way so, more than that. Oh yeah, it was, it was something something like six hours, maybe. No, 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 no. You leave here at six thirty. Oh, wasn't it like? Then you're there actually. next morning and next afternoon at like one thirty. Oh yeah. Because you're you're in Memphis at uh, six a.m. Hmm. It's yeah. a long way down to oh, Illinois. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. I mean, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's uh, well, Illinois. We drove. Uh, well, it sails to Illinois. Time it doesn't even make a turn. You know, yeah. just straight as an arrow to Mantino and Kankakee, yep. and um, you just you just like you, you you have to keep pinching yourself that you're on a train because you're going so <laughs> fast. Well, I mean, if you you know you get the first class sleeper, go to the lounge car, you're good to go. Yeah. But the but if you're in first class, the, the meals are included. You have to sit with other people, which is pretty interesting. Mm. There's yeah. six people at a table, so if you just can't get a room, the two of you, you're down with at least two other people. And well, I mean, because of the dining car, the, the meals are all included. Mm. And the food's really good. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's yeah. very tasty. And I had uh, a good peppercorn steak. Really? Those tri- oh yeah, very delicious. But uh, we got Larry, <laughs> Larry from the office here. Larry and I go down there because his wife and my girlfriend had taken... Get a load of this, Jan, how, how crazy this was. They, they go down and they spent a week on the panhandle in the wintertime. So Larry and I go, all right, we'll, we'll meet you down there. We'll take the train down. We're flying back. I would suggest that. You don't want to do the train both ways. And uh, So we're in a first-class car, and you get your guy. You get your uh, butler. Uh, and uh, so uh, a reporter, or we got to call him, uh, well, the Pullman Porter, he's basically... The descendant of a Pullman Porter, so we, he goes. I advise getting into dinner early uh, because you know you get where you get a good table. And by the way, this guy's a great cook. So all right. So I, I talk about a faux pas. I, I said, well, should we lock our door up? And the guy goes, it was like I shot him. He's like, <laughs> he's like, why would you do that? That's that's what you have me for to make sure everything's okay with you. Right. I'm like, okay then. <laughs> I learned my lesson. <laughs> I'll never say that again. So we sit down, have a great dinner, and. Uh, Larry was so hungover from the night before that we never made it down to the lounge car, which kind of pissed me off. But because uh, I, I was, you know, I was a Pullman guy, so I, I knew I could give you chapter and verse of all the papers that I wrote on the, the redesign of the dining car and blah blah blah. Uh, but it was, it was pretty cool. Just yeah. saying. I'm actually looking right now on uh, Amtrak. It says about 19 hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah rough. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a long way. I mean, oh, it's, definitely. Uh, they first first run movies out of the last time I wrote it. Down. Really? They had uh, a piano in the club car. Oh, you know, it just—it was really—it was—it was a blast. <laughs> well, you made it down to the, we didn't make it to the club car until breakfast, and then. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it was—it it, it was fun. 
But I mean, I, to get back to what, I, what I'm saying is the stuff going on with the downtown, mm. where would you guys actually put, if you were to say, okay, we're going to do this stuff to the railroad. I mean, clearly the South Shore, this four years of work is designed to get people from northern Indiana to downtown Chicago. Right? I mean, and is is that... I mean, we've had downtown problems before the 70s, and downtown came back. Same thing with New York. I mean, they made movies escape New York and everything during the 70s, and it came back. And now the, the COVID has dealt us all another blow, and the violence and all the other stuff. I mean, somebody has to say, again, the, just getting the money to do it because the federal government somehow still believes on every, about this. Uh, I mean, do you really need another uh, train tunnel under the Hudson for Manhattan? Is are enough people from New Jersey going to be going there every day to where you need another train tunnel? I mean, these are real questions. I I don't know whether I don't know where I'd come out on that, John. I mean, I mean should, should we spend another, you know, two or three billion dollars or ten? for more and improved train traffic to a downtown area if we're going to put low-cost housing down here. I mean, those two, those two things do not match up in my mind. No, any more than extending the red line. If the red line is, you know, goes to downtown, where nobody apparently is intended to be working you know, in the next 50 years because it's all going to be housing. I just, I just don't understand how you, as not being part of the decision, you, you keep the transit system you have and you keep rebuilding it and you don't rethink it. Um, but, I mean, you've you got to maintain it no matter whether it goes here or there. It's just a, in a climate where it doesn't seem to make any sense to encourage businesses to come downtown anymore. Why are we paying for a rapid transit system that is designed to go downtown? So well, I, but, but, I, but then you have to look at, at every side of the cost. And I'm, I'm trying not to get here, Mike. I, I can't help myself, guys. Whenever this happens... I, I dropped back to my Pullman years, and this is what I did for a living. Okay, now you have to ask yourself. Now, it, it took me, um, let's leave the downtown question away for a second. Let's say there there are some jobs down here. Mm. All right, so it took me, I get my Suburban. Now, you know, of course, I got a deal, but it's still, you know, whatever, 18 bucks a day to park. Now, I'm going to get my Suburban. It was 680 for the toll, so that's 1360 a day back and forth. So I'm up to... If I parked at Millennium Park, it'd be what thirty bucks. So let's say I'm up to forty-five hours already. Plus, I got to maintain the vehicle. Plus, I got to buy gas, especially if it's taking me an hour and a half each way. Uh, I I don't know that that the the jobs even today can take a fifty-dollar after-tax hit downtown and no. still be worth getting there. Now, if I can get my ass on the on the South Shore. And read the paper on the way in, or, or have Wi-Fi or whatever, and it costs me three bucks. That's a whole different program. I mean, I guess do we want to extend the train down to Alcal Gardens? But I can remember Jan, where the only reason why the north side of Chicago was developed is single people could move there, be in the city, and have they're behind on the Ravenswood every day for a buck and a half instead of having to play to. The uh, you know the, the downtown parking and all the stuff, and if you have a few drinks, hop back on it. And you go home, you don't worry about it. It's just it's uh, I mean, it, it really is an incentive to, for places to be downtown. I can I can pay somebody sixty grand a year or seventy grand a year, which seems like kind of a lot, and that person can get here for the total cost of less than a thousand dollars a year. What there's two hundred? There's how many days are in here? Two hundred, and if it's cost me two fifty two you know, trading well, days. Uh, okay, so let's say it's two fifty a day for the uh, for the L back and forth. 
or four dollars a day, it's it's two thousand bucks. That's not bad. Okay, fifty bucks a day, ten thousand plus the time it takes to drive. You know, that's a whole different. Maybe it's more like a hundred dollars a day if you're taking depreciation on the car. So, is it an advantage to have a really nice public transportation system? Hell yeah. So, which comes first, I guess, Jan? I mean, if you're doing the cost accounting, which comes first? If I can show you an area where, you know, three million people can get there for cheap, is the area going to win out over public housing, or not? Or is the area going to be so crappy that no matter what it is, nobody wants to get here? I'd say it starts farther back with the schools, Tom, which we were talking about before. Because no matter what kind of transit system you have, if its purpose is to bring people from neighborhoods where the schools have failed their students, these students are pretty much unemployable in the jobs that you could get you know, working downtown. The old days where you could be a, a bank teller or a typist or a receptionist or something with a high school you know, credential, uh, you'd be lucky to get those kind of jobs now with the sort of training kids get in the, in the public schools. So the disservice there you know, means these people are cursed as employees for anybody who wants them. And okay, this is something that I, I think the schools bear the, the brunt of responsibility for it. I don't know where else to place it. See what this um, guy Flanagan does, they Greg? They can't turn out people that are, are, are marginally employable. He always I don't jumps care to what a, kind of transit system we have. This Flanagan guy always jumps to another chessboard, doesn't he? I, I'm i I'm <laughs> a little scared here in that I'm more pessimistic than you guys. Well, but I'm, I guess what I'm, but you have to you have to go down who all your groups are. All right, now, if the downtown area is safe, which after the shooting on Saturday night, I'm not so sure about that, uh, the downtown area is safe, and you're a lawyer from Glen Ellen, and you got your white picket fence house up there, and you walk your butt over to the train, and you hop down to the world's most comfortable train ride. You walk two blocks with all the people in the morning, with all the good-looking women all dressed up, and you go in your lawyer place. You go out and have a drink at a nice place like Ceres after work. You hop back on the train. I guess you sort of care what's going on in Kelly High School, but do you really? We haven't cared for 50 yeah, years. I, That's I why Kelly High School... It's, it's, it's possible not to worry too much about it, but uh, the, the loop and you know any central business district functions best when there's people who can work downtown. But by that, I mean have the skills to get a job, such as are offered in you know businesses or you know, you know entities that require some kind of clerical skills, spelling or writing, basic math, whatever. Oh, yeah. And don't don't get lost going to and from their homes. Um, but I, I don't think you can count on that kind of workforce, you know, anymore. Well, like and you, I, I don't. What you're saying, Jan, very actually much more articulately than me. What you're saying is, at some point, all this makes a difference. In, in, in the short term, when downtown was an island unto itself, and you had the exchanges where a lot of the South Side people worked, and you had the law, law firms and the accounting firms, which the people came in from the burbs on the train, and it was a vibrant area, all kinds of restaurants, breakfast joints, you name it. Um, you see the neighborhoods degrading, and for a long period of time, it was probably not all that noticeable. Now, you, you being one of the more observant guys, says, well, wait a minute, 10 years from now, if the schools degrade to a certain point, everybody's got to come in from Naperitucky, even like, I'll use the term secretary, which I shouldn't, but or the assist- we're not going to get anybody from Chicago because these schools all suck, or, something, or, or, or some yeah. combination of the neighborhood, family, school, that we're not the, the the people in the city who you'd like to see happen on the Ravenswood or the or the Green Line, are not going to be the people at, at the office at any level, not even entry level, and and over a twenty year span, I'm going to say before COVID, 
or certainly before the exchanges went under. No, nobody cared about the gradual degradation. The exchanges of, didn't go under. Well, <laughs> exchanges are doing better than ever. Well, well minus with SIBO. The, They're just dumb. But in terms of... Let's put it this way. Charging people for quotes so the head of the place makes a gazillion dollars a year is not my idea of an exchange. I mean, I'm talking about 3,000 people on the floor with jobs. Yeah. And, the, and all the buildings around here right. they used to house all those people. Right. That's we a, we a one-off. We went from... Uh, 5,000 people making a million dollars a day to 10 people making a million dollars a day. And it shows. Yeah. And all the buildings and the restaurants and everything. Right. And, oh, by the way, it shows in the markets too, right? Well, the, the like you said before, the cost is in the data, and it was then. It still is now. It's just way more people are exposed. Well, anyway, but I'm saying, John, all, all this stuff matters, but at, at what year? Not all in the same year. If you and I are the mayor, and somebody says, hey, hey I, I got us $5 billion to redo the South Shore in the next bill, and we can wiggle it to our buddies and give some people, quote, some jobs, we're never going to count the jobs we cost in the two and a half to five years of putting the thing together. And if nobody ever steps on it, do we really give a crap? I mean, that could be good. Well, that, could, well, it could be good if, say, if the city somehow magically gets it together and we did all this work for before huge inflation and stuff like that on the contracts well i don't know it could it well, could I, work I, out i don't think we would deny it i think what we'd say is i would say no no you're not shutting it down let's let's do let's do it in such a way where we keep it open you don't want to get people out of the habit after seeing what happened on the green line so yeah. i would have made sort of that change if i was in charge but would i turn down the money and say i don't want to redo the south short it was built 120 years ago i, I don't think we'd say that would we jen no I, you know, I, I, I kind of believe, Tom, at some point there's no energy or kind of stamina to put up with what really needs to be done. And just in my example of, of how the schools have failed students, what it would take now to improve this situation or to, or to reverse the trend would require that you know, students have to go to school year-round. They're going to have to make up for all the time they wasted when they were in distance learning during COVID. And the teachers were sitting around eating bonbons, not yeah. doing anything. Am I the uh, only one? That of thinks course, what what family is going to want that for their kids? What teacher is going to want to do that? Nobody's going to be willing to work year round. And I'm not saying you have to do it forever, but you got to recognize what we've lost is so horrendous. What do you mean? What do you mean? Unless you, you decide we're going to work twice as hard I, to get back to where we were, we're nowhere. I've worked year round my whole life. You teachers, yeah, it, it shouldn't be so difficult to persuade people of that, but I, I'm, I think the pushback would be so great that it would, it would never even be considered. Well, Let I mean, alone that you'd have to have rigorous testing and everything else to monitor student progress so that you, when you get a diploma, it actually means something. Well, that, that's how you would do it. The, you say you're not graduating if you don't know anything. Simple right. as that. It's just, but, you know, it, that, will, that will take a lot of, of you know, people doing stuff yeah, that they would prefer not to do and being embarrassed or humiliated when they get held back, and that's not going to fly. So th- what, what it's going to cost to make this better is just a, it's too, too high a price for people you know, with their tender minds today to pay. They don't want to be in these situations where there's actual competitive. Well, you, 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 got, you got to start with, I mean, where, where, where do you want to start? You got to start with people taking care of their own kids, right? Well, yeah, that's we're so far behind the curve on that. Well, I mean, 85 percent of uh, people born in certain neighborhoods are out of wedlock. Now, it's one thing to be out of wedlock if, if if you have an extended family and the kids still taking care of. It's quite another if you don't. 
I mean, 85 percent is a pretty high number. I, I was stunned. Actually, it was 84, but I was stunned when I saw it. And actually, in virtually every community, it's I think yeah, it cuts across racial, socioeconomic. Yeah, well, I think Hispanic was 70 something, and, and uh, whites 50. I, I, yeah, it was it was it was demoralizing across the board. You know, there was higher concentrations in certain areas, but the overall trend is... But I know a lot of white families, probably black families, too. I, I know a lot of white families that have kids, at least at younger age, and still aren't married, maybe, maybe intend to, uh, but they're still there. You know, it's part of the... Yeah, and it's, and it's a tough road. It's a tough road for the kids. Okay. Yeah, well, it sure it is. I, I was... Well, my brother's yesterday, my, my nephew and his wife, they have uh, two little girls. One's not so little anymore. She's pushing six. Uh, and she's a riot. I mean, uh, but you can tell she's a, the daughter of a math teacher. You know, she, she already could do all that stuff. She speaks two languages because the parents are Polish. But the little one is a riot. She's just decided. She's a little chubby little thing. She just decided now she's moving around, but she hasn't quite figured out how to crawl yet. But she has the perfect shape to roll. <laughs> so she's rolling around. I mean, I've never seen that, but she can move pretty quick. We got to watch where you're stepping now, which you didn't have to for a while. But it was like, what I want to step on a baby for God's sake. But uh, I mean, but it's all about. I mean, we're not we're not designed. We, we have to assign responsibility, and a lot and a lot of the 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 first thing I would do is have a very serious look, and not not by people who got their finger in a pie. What? Parts of the welfare system are des- are maybe not intentionally are designed actually to, to drive families apart, and I I think you have to put some responsibility, you know, back on the fathers with the five tro- trophy babies all over the place. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, uh, it's uh you know we we know I don't know if you went to the one reunion or I was talking to the young lady who had the uh, the baby out of. Uh, well, she was at, had a boyfriend in college who happened to be, ended up becoming an NFL football player, and uh, she has the baby. The guy's making money, NFL money. He never gave her a dime. How 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 do, how do you uh, how do you justify that? Yes, yeah, it's, it's disgusting, I, Tom. I, I think there's a bigger problem beyond this too. I I, mean, I agree with you that, that we should be looking at programs that you know are dividing families or, or preventing families from getting started rather than encouraging them. But look at look at the popular culture that they have to compete with. There's so much negative propaganda now about families and hierarchies in families and even you know, in the gender positions that people occupy in families or whether this gender could be a, a mother or a father assuming everybody could be anything they want. Every, everything is now pushing the idea that families don't count and families are part of the problem. Yeah, well, that's 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 so that's, insane. I mean, that's scary. so pernicious. Even in, in other times, when you when you know you had misspent money or misspent you know programs, you know money spent on, on programs that weren't achieving what you wanted, you didn't have that kind of assault on some basic stuff. And until we agree on stuff like that, families are a good thing, and you maximize people's chances for success. And competitive competitiveness and wisdom over their lifespan. If you start them out in families that you know do everything they can and are protected from being destroyed by government programs, um, you're not going to have any kind of change. I've, I've never seen such an assault. I never would have expected it. Where it's just so fashionable to degrade traditional families. And uh, if if we were doing something that actually had promised to to succeed, well, better, it depends. Whatever you feel it. like. Whatever you feel like saying, you, you can say, 
you can't go through some of these neighborhoods and the only house the only buildings that are worth a lot are the churches in some areas and the the people that are running the churches got nothing but dough you you can't ever mention that if you if we were in regular era I could never say that yet you can say every single Catholic priest is is a is a you know a, a baby something something you know is it was a molester yet they're not I mean I never saw any of that I mean uh the uh, I don't so I mean it, it, it gets into the vernacular to where uh, you know the Catholic Church and a lot of the Protestant churches and a lot of other places are the center of the community and a lot of some of the some of uh, in, in every na- neighborhood every neighborhood are centers of the community and do stuff but it's uh, you know we have to well the economic the the definition of economics John which I don't know if Greg probably knows but it basically is is how to apportion scarcity. Because if if everybody had everything of everything, you wouldn't need economics, right? So so how do you determine who gets what? It's it's it, it's the apportionment of of scarcity, and obviously if it's a a socialistic system, no matter what your you know whatever what no matter what your intelligence or your or energy, you get the same as everybody else. In other societies, they say the people who work harder and, and do better and and uh, and, and make and Make more. Uh, if you're the farmer that makes, you know, if you can get 200 bushels out of a of an acre, you should make more money than more money than the guy who doesn't give a crap and he gets 100. And that and that's and it drives people to to uh and we we believe in that here or at least we used to. There's one thing that's scary about that is when you're able to kind of print money, you're not you're not uh, apportioning scarcity. You're able to bring time forward. So you're actually, your your scarcity is coming in the future rather than now. Well, you, you can borrow so, one to the, one to the other, sure. Yeah, so that's that's a distortion in the system where if say a bunch of federal money does come this way for housing or transportation or whatever, um, that's that's the future. That's not the scarcity is not now. It, it may seem like it, but it's not now. But it would be well, worse. It, it all because depends of the on who you are. Compounding effect of the future. Drive drive through where I just drove through this weekend, and you see there's a big jail in Michigan City. In the area around the jail, there's a lot of people who there's never any trouble there. It's not I don't, it's not like it's a horrible space place to be. You don't want to drive through it, not at all. Uh, but those are the people whose boyfriends or husbands are in the jail, and the family lives close. And the neighborhood is you know. I mean, I haven't driven by there in four years, and it looks like nobody's put a roof on in four years, basically. Uh, but obviously, those people don't have any money. Then you go down to the restaurant where they, they notice people are coming from Chicago, and they probably double the prices Friday night just in time for me to get there. If your eyes are open at all, you certainly see. I mean, if, if the federal government wanted to during COVID, they put all this money into the system, right? Well, if if they did it fairly, and everybody, where everybody who had a dollar in his pocket, uh, Washington, and you walked in, well, and fairly walked, would just be like you were talking about before. Here you go. Here's five thousand bucks. Well, but my, what I'm saying is, if everybody who had ten bucks got money from the government, they printed. Let's say they doubled the money supply. They already walked in with a ten. What's what's a ten? A Lincoln? I don't know. Who's ever in a ten? Jackson, maybe. When you Hamilton. Walk, Hamilton's you know, on the ten. That's right. And then you walk out with a twenty. Guess what? It wouldn't do anybody any good whatsoever. Nobody would ever even think of that, because all of a sudden, if I owed you ten bucks, you're going to say, "Wait a minute! Now I want twenty, <laughs> because the ten is now twenty, correct?" 
Everybody's, everybody's salary would probably double. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody knows it's useless. But if you can put it out there in such a way where some people get more and some people get less, or some people get more are all over it. Or the people, or the people who own uh, buildings are all over it. Because we're going to get the, the adjustments going to occur, but unevenly. So it's, whatever these guys, whatever people do, I mean, Greg, you notice it. Uh, I think you like coming on the air because you like to learn how to define it. That, that's, that's just not right. I mean, you're, you're going to find that uh, even at uh, in some of the, yeah, we, we'll dash here in a second, but even at, at some place like, uh, uh, you know, Greg works, he, he has experience in the restaurant industry as well. But even a place at Ceres, you're going to find that if you have a company bringing over, coming over for a party, the company has survived, they probably don't really even look to see whether your drinks have gone from 9 to 11. But the person that you have coming downstairs for the fish sandwich three days a week notices it for sure if it's up three bucks and says, I can't do this three days a week. There's a dramatic difference in who who can play the new game and who can't. Am I right? Am I right? Both of you. I think I am. Yep. yep. Absolutely. And it, because, I mean, you look at the, all the dough, I promise we'll go, Matt, uh, you look at all the money that was sent out in checks to people and how much money was in the PPP programs, which was dramatic. It was only like 25 or 30% of the entire amount of money the federal government basically spit out at somebody. Right. Well, who the hell are the somebodies? Yeah, you got the other 75%. The, I mean, the people... The are, scarcity are, yeah. comes from We're, not only that... Yeah. that mis, or I don't know, mis- not only that uh, in... in or different amounts of levels of... Uh, the miss I'm going to say misallocation whatever yeah. so misallocation now but also given the fact that it was printed that's the bigger effect is from the future so well, look, look at the difference I'm going to say I'm going to say series I don't know none, none of my business that I'm not asking you to tell me I'm going to say series got a big fat PPP check series probably had I think whatever credit was available for for the restaurants, um, yeah, which was a lot, yeah. But I'm going to say based that, on your, but your I'm gonna, yeah, but I'm going to say that series. Uh, no, it actually, wasn't the series. I'm going to say that series you had to did, submit two two yeah. years, I think, of well, tax statements, and well, then they then would. You, but then you got it forgiven. But right, you, you got the loan based on one thing. You got it. For, but I'm going to say series did the right thing, and when nobody was coming into place, you still paid all your people. And then when you went to the government, you said, "I paid all our people. Here's where the money went." The loan got forgiven. Yeah, you have to do that. Right. Okay, but there's a lot of places. Well, if if you didn't, you know, they're coming for you now. Okay. <laughs> so okay. What out. I'm saying, there are a lot of places that, given carryouts and given other stuff, actually like had double the business that they had before. Yeah. So it ended up just being <laughs> a check. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's that's that, yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. Johnny, you want to hang around for uh, Nancy a little bit? Sure. Sure. Speak features uh-huh. only up nine. Nancy features up twenty. We're going to short break, Nancy. We'll come back and we'll. Gonna hear after all these questions this weekend with with two uh, real estate ladies. I have all kinds of stuff for you, so be ready. We'll okay. be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now. Hello, right 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 big stocks and jocks. I'm Tim Howell at Burn on the Board. SP futures now they're only up ten. I just were actually down seven. So a little, a little dip in the. Uh, it came from some piece of news that flew across that maybe some people get. Now we're down nine, up 950 as that futures up 26. The market's been a little heavy. Dow futures are up 100 over in Europe. We're still up, but a little bit less. DAX only up 20 now, 0.1%. FTSE up 31.4. CAC around up 20.2. So all bullish over there, but uh, mm. not a lot of conviction. UK up 238.8%. That's pretty good. Hang Seng up 343, 1.75. They were down last week almost as much one day or more. Shanghai up 38, 1.2%. You know, is, is Asia's going to get up? They're going to go down? We're not exactly sure uh, kind of what they're doing. Uh, bonds, 10-year up 2 basis points, 3.48. The Bund up 4 basis points, 2.30. Japan up 3 basis points, 0.42. Uh, Friday is a wave review. That was down 8. S&P down 6. NASDAQ down 43, so not much of a day on Friday. Well down 50, up 57 cents, sorry, over 70 bucks. 70.61, Brent up 56 cents, 74.73. Natural gas up 4 cents, 231. Gold down buck 70, 2018. Seems to be locked in this range, 2000 to 2045. Right now, can't break out. Silver, which got his ass kicked last week, up 4 cents, 24.20. Copper up 3 cents, 376. Uh, crypto, Bitcoin's up 501. We're going to come back from a horrendous week. 27385 And last, we have the uh, U.S. dollar. Um, is actually up uh, Donald today. It was real strong last week, but the euro is still 108.8. It was over 110 for a while. And the uh, British pound has hung in there better, 125. They were up to like 126.5. Uh, what do you got for us, Travis Weather Sports, man? Yeah, good morning. Currently 7.37 a.m. on May 15th, 2023. 
Uh, traffic on the Kennedy connecting roadway closed going east around Diversity and exit 46B. The slip ramp into the express lanes is closed, meaning drivers can only access the express lanes at the start of Montrose or coming off the Edens Expressway. This is expected to remain in effect until mid-July. Now for weather in Chicago, currently 53 degrees. We're hitting a high of 63 this afternoon. Mostly sunny skies expected today. Tomorrow, more sun and a high of 78. Down in Phoenix, clear skies, 79 degrees currently, a high of 100 later on. Sunrise expected at 528 this morning. The MLB yesterday, Cubs lost to Twins 16-3. White Sox lost to Astros and narrow 4-3. And Diamondbacks won against Giants 2-1. Last night in the NBA East Semifinal, Celtics beat 76ers 112-88. It's all for now, Chief. Back to you. Uh, hey, Greg, one question, real quick question. We know the answer before we get to Nance. Uh, why in Indiana, and Nancy's probably interested in this as well, here I, I think when you get gasoline it's like 386, and the E85 I think is like 330 Nance, something like that, three twenty-five in Indiana. It's under three bucks. Is there a difference in taxes? There, it's almost like a dollar cheaper for the eighty-five. Indiana, it's a dollar cheaper sometimes in the suburbs. <laughs> okay, but it hasn't been for a while. But you're still saying <laughs> it's normal. I, I think the Indiana state fuel tax is is uh, what twenty cents. Okay, so we're we're, we're paying more tax here. Yeah. Well, Nance, how are you? Good. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, I have some questions for for you and. Uh, Mr. Flanagan, regarding uh, appraisals, because you're. Oh my goodness, we we don't know anything, do we, John? We know no. No, we know nothing about <laughs> a nothing. nothing. <laughs> uh, my question is, in I mean, uh, the old. Well, I had a friend a long time ago. I haven't seen her in ages. Uh, back in the 2007, 2008 area, where all the prices went flying way up, right? And uh, okay. and she told me that they had had a, a black party in their area. And that one person at the black party could afford their house at the new price. Okay. Um, so now, yesterday, one of your real estate friends, uh, yes. Lindo, and, a, and a, some people were willing to pay this money for some house, and it was, I'm going to say, a big chunk, maybe 20% higher than any camp in the area. Uh, and but they loved the house, and in a lot of ways, it was. Almost the other one was a little cheaper, but had the comps, and this one was easily worth twenty grand more than the other one. So I mean, it wasn't like it was a, but they just had not traded there yet. And uh, so I was asking her, and I said, you know what, I'm going to ask Nancy tomorrow morning. Um, how do comps, if there aren't any, how do you, how do they run up so fast? Does it take like two or three people? Say if the area is three hundred grand, I'll use the number. And all of a sudden, two schmoes. Decide they're paying three seventy five and they pay cash and they don't care about no stinking appraisal. Now all of a sudden, everybody's house is worth three seventy five. Even though nobody who lives in one within eight square miles could ever afford three seventy five. I mean, how does it move nope. up so fast? That doesn't. That doesn't mean that that's it. I mean, the guy who's at three seventy five. Let's just say he may his comp only may come in at three hundred. Let's just assume your number's correct. They have to give seventy five thousand of cash, and then they have their their purchase price will be, um, their loan will be based off the three hundred purchase right. price. So that they have to still put twenty percent down in addition to the three hundred. They just paid seventy five thousand dollars more out of their own pocket. That's all. 
Okay, so does it mean it's going to raise the area? I mean, it's just going to be a one-off. Well, if it happens two or three times, then it raises the area, right? Uh, it would have to happen, I believe, at least three or four times before it would raise the area like that. Well, the question I'm getting to is we've had such a dramatic increase in housing prices over the last, I'll say, four years, maybe five. You know, actually, when we went from basically a 285 median to 406 in, what, 48 months tops? My question is, okay. how, how, does, how does that happen? Because... Because all the all the people in those areas now could not afford the extra hundred a quarter if they had to do it tomorrow. Well, it's just actually, Tom. I think right now it's happening. Even well, it's still on happening. The south side. Okay, it's still happening. I mean, it it is happening. People are. Um, I mean, I know what I paid for my house. Okay, and then, but it's it's irrelevant to what you know. The price gets set by if someone is willing to pay you whatever they think right. it's worth. So my problem is even if I sold my house, I mean, my buying power is less because I, when you go to get the loan, your your rate is higher. So I really believe right. the lower rate is what caused, is causing this. Well, I guess my, my question is... So a, many people bought at the lower rate. So well, for me, it's sort of a it. disconnect between how strict everybody is on the appraisals, and virtually everybody gets a mortgage, right? Uh, so, well, I mean, there's some that don't, but the it, the it seems like everybody's really strict on how much you're going to lend people to where the prices should be, I use the term, sort of sticky. Yet at three and four years' time, they sure as hell went up pretty fast. It seems like there's somewhat of a disconnect, or am I just being argumentative? I am... Um... It, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is it doesn't really matter because even though it went up higher, they're going to fall. I mean, we're headed towards the fall, right? Okay. And it's just a matter of when does that when is that going to kick in? Um, don't so, don't talk to your girlfriend because she doesn't think so. You guys will be arguing. She didn't think what? She doesn't think we're going to go. She thinks everything's might going to keep going further. In, her, in your area, maybe there is because there's such a shortage of inventory. But, yeah, there but, is such a, there is a very big shortage of inventory, but once people, um, everybody who's in these two, you know, these three four percent mortgages, if they have to move, that's when you're going to start seeing the chaos hit. Well, yeah. before you, came you're up, also seeing no sales. So, John, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I think it's you know it's a function of the uh, rising rates. The, right. the reason there's so little inventory is that people can't afford to sell their houses because they know they they. Can't can't afford to buy another one, anything like the one they're trying to sell, uh, just because of the increased rates. Correct. Yeah, and and it, it's that's why when I say when it starts breaking apart, it'll just it'll just go. I mean, it'll, it'll turn into, you know, um, a free for all. Don't you think, John? Like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Yeah, and we're, you know, and there's other artificial factors. You know, I think one of the reasons that there was a run up um, because. You know, the housing values increase, and and you know appraisals were tracking with this and, and encouraging people to to up the ante on their houses. Um, in a normal real estate market, you know people are bound by their incomes, by their job stability, and, and so on when they look to qualify for a loan to buy a house. But if you've got institutional investors for whom the sky is the limit, then there's plenty of money to throw around. And if it's a competitive bidding situation, which 
I think you know, I'd like your input on what you see be happening. How, how often there's competitive bidding and the, the prices sell for over market price or over the listing price. Um, it's because a lot of institutional investors have thrown money around this completely detached from the things that normally govern, you know, comparables. You know, a family that's trying to buy a house or, and because of the school system or whatever else that goes into that decision. But an institutional investor doesn't think that way. They're just thinking in terms of turning it around and rehabbing it or whatever else. They don't care about the schools. They don't care about the rest of the neighborhood or anything else. That is true. Well, I think and you... so I think there's a lot of factors in this that are not really... It, it, it's not like the housing market is doing great, Tom. It's not. There's very little inventory to sell. What is... Is anybody... Uh... Is, there has You've to got be speechless, Jen. Well, speechless. Has, I'm trying to say there has to be somebody somewhere. It's it's, it's rare for me to be. Spe- there has to be somebody somewhere. What what would you guess the if if there's a uh, there's got to be a there's got to be a chart somewhere. What is what do you suppose the replacement cost is? Like like take Audrey's house, got a nice place, uh, or your place. Uh, what do you suppose the the ratio is between what she could get for her place versus what it would cost to, to duplicate it in today's well, world. I, I, I think the problem is is that um, to be honest, to be honest, even um, I do not believe my house should you know sell for more than let's say like two fifty. Okay, you'd get that. You get that in a second. Well, and that that is what Audrey's saying. And she, in other words, you get two fifty, you could get you know close to. You know, three fifty to four hundred, and she's sending me comps in my area that are going to support that. Okay, now if I sell it, okay, but mine is totally one hundred percent turnkey. Where am I going to go? That money, that money, which we thought was a lot of money at one time, isn't going to buy right anything bigger. I mean, anything better. Well, if it, if it was two thousand and seven, you would mm-hmm. if your timing was perfect, and like you were a stock trader or a corn trader, like Greg. Uh, you would sell it just at the right time for four hundred. You get yourself a long-term stay with the two dogs in one of those motels where you throw the quarter in and the bed vibrates. And six months from now, you go back and buy your own house back for hundred thousand less. Well, it's you know that, if, that if you can do if you do it just right. Plus, just think all the nice massages you get on that bed as it's buzzing all night. Yeah, really. It really is so important, don't you think, John? I mean, we, we've got him on the ropes this morning. This guy is just. <laughs> Well, you know why I'm on the you know why I'm on the ropes a little bit is because it's such an inexact. You went to Indiana. Well, no, it's <laughs> it's it's such an inexact science because we were we were, we were talking about this the other night, in a in a in a piece of paper that I still have around here buried in my files. It had to do with an article in 2007 about how the houses had moved up to 235 thousand dollars median mean house median, and how the it took 85 grand to buy that home, you know, if one person did it or one wage earner, and what percentage of the population actually made 85 grand, it was like 15%. So now, mm-hmm. that number has gone from 235, after actually going down for a while, after 2007, is now up to, what, 406 or 410, depending on who you believe. Which, now that the mortgage rates are essentially equal to where they were in 2007, or damn close, the, the person buying the place... Has to be well. If you need eighty-five grand at two thirty-five, what do you need at four hundred six? You need. I'll, I'll be charitable and say fifty percent more. You need a buck and a quarter, a buck thirty, and I'm going to say 
maybe 10% of the population makes 130000 a year and uh, is an individual, and we're right back in the same pickle. Now, what I'm trying to find out, figure out is how, how do you... What you're saying, Nance, is these prices are going to come flying down. What m- people would love to see is we hang in here for three or four years, people start making more money, and we, quote, grow into the prices. Same way you hope a stock with high PE grows into its, its price. What are the chances, I guess? It's a long, I mean, it's a, it's a long question. What are the chances of that happening vis-a-vis some sort of fiasco in the meantime? Can we get away with well, it, I guess is my question. You know what? This weekend um, at my Mother's Day table, we talked about that they're going to go to digital currency. And okay. then all, you know, what are the ramifications of all that going to be? And they said we're already, you know, it's it's pretty far along in making that move. And I said, well, what about all the people that work for cash, right? On the side, you know what I mean? That don't report. They don't want those people. And um, they said, well, did, there'll be no currency left, so that'll all be caught. I mean, everything's going to change, is what they were saying. I mean... When I got done, my head was spinning. I was like, "Oh my god!" This three of the so last crazy. three of the last restaurants I've been to, well, three and a half percent if you pay with a credit card. So on one hand, on one side of the world, people are pushing back against these credit cards because they charge so damn much to the, to the establishment. On the other hand, people, who do you think is behind the no cash? The credit card companies, duh. Right. I don't, I don't know. They're saying that the that it costs two cents to make the penny. What are we making the penny for? It costs more than a nickel to make the nickel, so it's what are we doing that for? Well, probably Can shouldn't do that. About any of this? Probably shouldn't do any of that. They get rid of uh, I, in Canada. There's no, uh, there's no pennies or anything. There's, I think you go up to uh, what's the first, first coins a quarter, right, Jen? Or do they have a dime still? Maybe five. I, I, well, it's been a while since I you know, spent money in Canada. But I know they're pretty much, the same, you know, they're all in the same boat we are, Tom. And I, I, I think, you know, it's it's going to be a cataclysm when it happens because it's going to have to, it's go, people are going to be forced to change their thinking about a lot of stuff. And it's clear that it's going to take force to do it. Uh, it's, I don't think it's going to happen naturally. I mean, it's not just something that's going to become, you know, incrementally more attractive to the, the digital currency. It's going to, you know, the, the boom is going to fall at some point. And I don't think we have any real sense of, of this, you know, deciding who's going to come out on top at the end of it. Or well, sure we will. The, the, the people who are in the credit card business don't want cash. They want to charge people 3% to process it. They make a fortune. That mean, They're behind it. The government doesn't want anybody sneaking any taxes. They're behind it. And yet the rest of us, if you know, if, if John and I or, or uh, Nancy, if we bet 10 bucks on the Cubs tomorrow, I don't, I don't want anybody to do that. Uh, why we don't want anybody else to know we made the bet, and, and yet they want to know. So there's a, even though the young people are, are ridiculously stupid on this regard, they once somebody is in their drawers, they're going to be pissed off about it. Well, and it's going to re, you know force people to spend money the way the credit card companies or the government wants you to spend it, and the consequences of disobeying that are too horrible to imagine. There will always be, if you, I mean, I will be able to trump everybody. I, I spent some time doing currency theory in grad school. There will always be a way to pay somebody where the government doesn't know about it. Whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's something, everybody will have a way to do it. If, if, I, if I win, I, I paint your house. If you win, you redo my driveway. Some, somehow or another, there'll be, there'll be stuff happening to where the government does not know about it. 
It, we, I'd like to think so, Tom, but I think one of the reasons we were, you know, the government's pushing for 87,000 more IRS agents is to make it really hard to do that. Well, I mean, I, uh, it, it, is, it is more difficult, but I mean, the point is, I mean, every, they are convinced that all this money is being stolen by using cash. That Matty Weber will tell you that 85% of all, all thieving now is done online. It's not done for cash. So, you know, when, when Nance, when you go to a, a, a uh, closing now, in my day, you could you, you always brought an extra few hundred bucks in case somebody added up something wrong, and if you were off by 50 bucks, you gave the guy 50 bucks, everything was okay. You can't do that now. Okay, well, what if you just changed the number, made it even, and gave the guy 50 bucks? Who would know? Well, I think I, I think you can do that. I, I think if it's a small amount, they'll let you write a check for it. Okay. It's you know I do believe that they uh, you know what to avoid the whole hassle because every title company probably does it different. I just tell people send you know like three hundred dollars more if you have it, and then that way they just refund you at the table. Well, so you're we trusting them. Worry about that. They won't trust you, but you can trust them. With escrow closings being the norm, the title companies can set their own standards about the money below a certain amount. Somebody can write a personal check for it or you bring in cash. I was I had a closing one time in the office I worked and the closer came to me with a, with a horrible look on her face saying the buyer just showed up with shopping bags full of $5 bills. What do I do? And start counting. I said, well, we better get everybody in there to start counting. We'll, we'll take the money. It was, this was before there were a lot of reporting requirements and everything else. Um, but it was—it's become a highly regulated industry now, where you know it's very difficult, I think, to put anything across to, to the IRS or the government that isn't going to come back and hit you later on. Well, but people have their own. You, 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 there's a reason why you know Adolf Hitler came up with the big lie, because people believe this crap. That all of a sudden, I mean, somebody told me they were just uh, about a year ago. What about over in your place, uh, Greg? I'm serious. Somebody was telling me they'd just gotten back from Sweden and they were in a bar and the, the tab came and they pulled out a couple of, you know, uh, the Swedish the Swedish do euros or not? Krona. They're Krona? Yeah. Well, anyway, he, he had some Kronas. He pulled out a bunch of Krona and paid for the tab. And every bar looked at him and they assumed he was a drug dealer. He had cash. I mean, we're, 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 we're being black. Uh, what's, the, what's the term? Brainwashed, they used to say when we were kids. Yeah, well, that'll flag you at the airport. Yeah. You know, for, I'll, I'll go for the good side of cash. cash or, like or the good yeah. side of uh, digital is it's a lot quicker for the restaurant, at least. You know, if we, if we get even more than one card, you walk over to the register, three clicks, a swipe, you're done. And that makes it, you know, fairly easy. Not worth the however many percentage points, but it is much easier in terms of operations. Well, you guys have what to pay. You, Go ahead, Niff. What is he calling digital? Because I thought if they put in a PIN number, there was no charge at all. Uh, if it was just Debit is uh, different uh, than credit. Debit right, that's credit. what I'm saying. Yeah, if, so if there's you told no people, charge. Right, if you told people, if if you use this machine as your debit card, as a hook to your, and then you put in your PIN, you don't have to pay the 25 or 3%, but are they still charging them that? Uh, I think yeah, for yeah. for debit, it will ring as credit unless otherwise specified. That's a good question. I'll have an answer I think for the that. vendor still pays. Yeah, if well, it's a swipe, it's usually uh, something. 
It might not be the well, full. Well, the minute you put your pin in, you're done. I mean, that, that that really says it's a debit. Yeah, but you don't see people well, following anybody. The debit comes from a different... The debit would actually go route to your account, whereas the credit... Correct. Runs, yeah. But I've never so seen the it... processing the, fee is different than the... Yeah. I've Correct. never seen anybody at the... At, we're talking about the Series Cafe. I've never seen anybody uh, follow... Uh, what's our guy's name? Fredo? Yeah, I've never seen anybody follow Fredo up to the computer and, and whisper in his ear the uh, <laughs> right the, the the pin number. Yeah, everything everything goes through as a credit. So not only well, not only they have a machine now that they can hand you that is is strictly for that the machine they hand you the machine and you put in you put either put in your your card and then it'll come up. Do you do you, do you have a pin yeah, number? That is, I mean, that you is got possible. it in your hand. That yeah, but they're not doing that. That is, it's definitely possible. I'm not sure how the processing uh, goes, but in terms of the usage right now, I would say the debits are not even close. People are often looking for like the credit card points, especially when you go out for the the. Uh, they're picking it up on the back end. They're picking up those two percent or at least a portion of that, however many percentage points from the company. Yeah, right now right. you're getting a rebate of some of that. Like Discover's giving you two cent, two percent this quarter for right. So if they're stuff. charging, if they're charging, uh, I don't know how much on the the front end, then they'll give some of it back to you on the back end and keep the spread. I've noticed. You know, I was at Orchestra Hall the last couple of weeks for Sunday afternoon concerts, and they have a Levy, you know, the restaurant session or company that has the. The drink concession. Yeah. And Levy the does all the stadiums there. too. They've got forty. Yeah, and they, you know, you go up. You know, there's no cash accepted. There may be some fine print somewhere that explains other stuff. But if you put, you know, tap your card or whatever for a purchase, it's an automatic eighteen percent gratuity added on. And it used to be that there was discretionary. They flipped the, you know, the pad around, and you could choose no gratuity, five percent, ten percent, like at a lot of restaurants it still can. But but this is non-negotiable. So uh, not only can you not cash and you have to also pay an 18 percent gratuity over and above the price of the glass of wine or the beer so i suspect that's where we're headed too and, and the consumer has very little bargaining power then there's a few there's a few states that have just said you have to take cash right yeah i think we're i, I think, mean, think municipalities or local local operations uh, but i think they're going to be you know under tremendous pressure not to well i don't really the, i don't really display is this I don't really give a crap what Levy thinks. Is that the wrong way of putting it? Uh, I'll, I just I won't drink Correct, it. Tom, tell us what you really think. I mean, I, I don't. Uh, well, you know, the, the whole the whole game is they have to tell you in advance because if you read on your dollar bill, yeah, I'm sure there's yeah. somewhere in this placard with all the fancy names and stuff they're serving. There is a you know, microscopic font that says you know automatic 18 percent gratuity. Included, but you know, I wouldn't want to see anybody want to fight if they didn't read that print. Uh, well, I mean, even even with the the cash piece, I mean, it says right on the dollar bill, this is all uh, legal tender for all debts, both public and private. So the way you get around it is you don't allow the debt to be to be had in the first place. And if you walked into a bar and there's no sign anywhere, and you and there's no menus, there's no nothing, and you ordered a beer and it's five bucks. The guy says we don't take cash. I got news for you. He has to take cash because it's, you now have a debt to him of five bucks. If he told you before, if you don't have cash, I'm not giving you the beer. That way, the debt is never created. That's the loophole, I believe, right, Jen? Yeah. 
But I mean, up, if you just say we're not going to accept cash, there's no law that says you must. Right? No. No, why don't you tell somebody? Because now, because you, right. you 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 truncate the debt. There is no debt. Right. But if but if if, if you got something for sale. And, and I have it. I eat the ice cream cone and then say, here's five bucks. Oh, no, you can't have cash. Well, guess what? I owe you five bucks. Either take it or you don't. You didn't tell me before. That's the weird part. It, that's crazy. I mean, it's a... Uh, so, Nancy, are you guys... So, in other words, I gather, gather from your tone here, you're not... You're, you got people, but you're not you're not crazy with, with business. No, we're just that you're not finding the inventory, which starts a whole... For my industry, I mean, there's, there's no reason to refinance unless it's a divorce or a... Um, you know, it's either divorce, or they really had a super high rate to begin with, or it's a purchase, and everyone is saying they're off. I mean, it's just there. Well, hey, so, uh, why don't you give us a shameless plug? Uh, my name is Nancy Long Graham. I do residential mortgages and reverse mortgages, and my number is 708-341-9601. We're not old enough for reverse mortgages. Yes, ah, uh, yes, we are. Yes, we oh, are. oh God, I, hope, I knew she was going to say that. She's too honest. <laughs> Nance, Nance, take care of yourself, Chan. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Thanks. SP Futures only up seven. Nasdaq Futures only up twenty-seven. We're leaking here, but we're still up. Back tomorrow, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to ptisecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at ptiprodirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708 403 2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What is your nationality? I'm a drunkard. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes Rick a citizen of the world. <laughs>